The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to less-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, the illustrious Scott Alexander and all of my fabulousness. And right across from me is the one, the only, the seemingly distracted Tammy Underwood. How am I distracted? I thought you were still reading the letter way over there. No, I actually stopped because right as soon as you were starting, I took a bite of my sandwich. So I'm glad you couldn't see me because I like... Pulled it out of my mouth and set it down. Well, that doesn't happen very often when you pull it out. I don't normally pull things out of my mouth to set them down. And now we've learned way too much about your sex life. <laughs> Not nearly as much as they already know about you. No, I, I put that down. I'll put it down for now. I even turned it sideways, see? Groovy. See, it's annoying when you can't see me, huh? No, actually, it's quite uh, refreshing. Whatever, you know you missed me. <laughs> Hi, everybody, by the way. <laughs> About time you were nice to our, our listeners. Carry so, on. <laughs> thank you, sure. <laughs> so today I'm going to do one called The Axeman of Nolens. And it's an uh, unsolved. Nolens. Oh, okay. <laughs> and here's what I wrote to open her up. You ready? Let's go. I love Nolens, Louisiana. Me too. It's full, of, uh, it's full of culture and fun. It's a town full of music as well. I have a diverse taste in music. I enjoy everything from classical to jazz. Oddly enough, so did our killer. And you even like some hip-hop now that you got me in your life. Eh, very little. <laughs> Just enough so I can send you my made-up rap songs and destroy songs that you love and talk about two-pack. I know. <laughs> or four-pack or whatever the hell his name was. I will shank a bitch. 30 years after good old Jack the Ripper terrorized London, a new terror would, would rival Jack's killings. The Axeman would begin his time of terror around eight, uh, 1918. Well, that might be exactly true. Some theorize that the Axeman started killing around 1911, uh, as, there's, as there were similar uh, murders at that time as well. So it wasn't 1814 when they took a little trip? Along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. <laughs> we took a little bacon, we took a little beans. Didn't mean for that to happen, but okay. <laughs> God, I wish I did not have so many fucking useless songs in my head. Yeah. Take up so much room. Okay. The Axeman had a certain taste, you could say, for his victims. I don't mean that he ate them. I mean that he targeted Italian immigrants. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Apparently, they were all trying to feed him lasagna, and he's like, mm, that's no, no. That's Not no, same, no. same. Not same, same. Not same, same. That's Which a no, no. Which is why I'm shocked you didn't hit on my theory, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, so his first victim was Joseph Maggio. He's an Italian grocer, and his wife, Kathleen, him and his wife, Catherine, were attacked on May 23rd of 1918. Uh. And while, while they were sleeping uh, in bed with each other, by the way, at their home at the corner of Upland and Magnolia Streets, where they also ran a bar and a grocery store. The killer broke into their home and then uh, proceeded to cut the couple's throats with a straight razor. 
You know where you find straight razors, by the way? The fucking cliche mine. That's <laughs> how you find those fucking ridiculous. It's always a straight razor. I know, right? That with the arsenic. That yeah, right, right, right with the fucking arsenic. <laughs> That's what the, straight razors, arsenic, same aisle guard <laughs> the drugstore. <laughs> aisle four, down the serial killer aisle. On the left, towards the bottom. Yeah, booberry <laughs> with the straight razor and arsenic on the bottom shelf. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so anyway, as uh, as the axe man was leaving, he bashed their heads in with an axe. Ooh. Some speculate it was in order to conceal their real cause of death. Well, Joseph survived the attack until a few minutes after being discovered by his brothers. And his brothers' names were Jake and Andrew. Okay. So they come to their apartment with law enforcement officers, and they found the bloodstained clothes uh, uh, of the mur- uh, the bloodstained clothes of the murderer, okay. of the axe man. Um, he had changed into a clean set of clothes before leaving the scene. Wow. A complete search of the building uh, was not completed by the police officers after the bodies were removed. Wow. They didn't even finish the, the, the search. Uh, later, the bloody razor was found on the lawn of the neighbors of the neighboring property right next door, right? Wow. The police ruled out robbery as a motivation of their murder. Uh, and it was because nothing was taken out of the, out of the home. Their, the valuables were still there. Money was still there. Apparently, so was spaghetti and lasagna. Mm. Chef Boyardee was still there. That's disgusting. <laughs> Can't see anybody can eat that stuff. Like SpaghettiOs? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I had them as a young child, for like the one or two times I had them, they was like, wow, these are amazing. And as an adult, I go, this is fucking gross. <laughs> Yeah. I tried to get nostalgic once a few years ago and ate a can and I damn near vomited. I know. Horrible. I don't like SpaghettiOs that much. Especially the meat kind. No. Yeah, no. Ew. Gross. Gross. Nasty. So anyway, the razor was used to kill the couple. Uh, and it, they, they found out that it had actually belonged to Andrew Maggio, you know, his brother. Oh. His brother. Uh, uh because he, uh, his, his brother Andrew owned a barber shop over on Camp Street. Okay. His employee Esteban Torres told the police that Maggio had removed the razor from the shop about two days before the murder, uh, saying that he had to go get a uh, a nick that was in the blade honed out. Okay. So Maggio, who lived in an adjoining apartment to his brother's uh, residence. Uh, discovered his his slain brother and sister-in-law roughly two hours after the gruesome attacks had actually occurred. Oh, oh. So uh, when he was hearing these strange groaning noises through the walls, mm-hmm. uh, that that's how he found them. You know, they, they heard these noises and shit, and they said, hey, we're going to check this shit out. Sorry, this is an odd way to read because I've got the shield in front of me. And- I know, weird, huh? So we're going to have to re- redo some shit. Okay. So anyway, his brother uh, blamed his failure to hear any noise related to the attacks um, that had occurred in the early morning hours on his intoxicated state. So he's drunk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as he returned home uh, after a night of celebrating prior to his departure... To join the Navy, because he was going to be... So Andrew was joining the Navy. Right. Okay, gotcha. He wanted to go down with the seamen. 
course he did. Police, however, were nonetheless surprised that he failed to hear the intruder as he had made a, a forced entry into the home. Hmm. So Andrew became the police chief's prime suspect. I was just suspect. Say suspect number one. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, because your family members are always the first suspect. And if oh, you're married, always. it's always the spouse. The spouse yeah. is number one, always. He was released after investigators, though, were unable to break down his statement. Um, as well as his account of, of an unknown man who was uh, supposedly seen lurking near the residence prior to the murders. Okay. So let's talk about Catherine Margaret Maggio. That was her husband. That was the, the wife, the wife of, of the, Joseph, of the right? brother. Yeah. Her throat was cut so deeply, her head was nearly severed from her shoulders. Unlike Joseph, Kath, Catherine didn't survive long after the attack, if at all. They think that, they, that she died before her husband's brother, way before they found him. Okay. So let's go on to another victim. Louise Bessemer. Now, you guys are going to love this story here. Okay. Uh, Louis, I'm sorry. Louis Bessemer and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, were attacked on June 27th of 1918. Uh, and the, there was kind of like a, a room in the back of his grocery store. Okay. Uh, and it was located on the corner of Dorginus and the Hempray Streets, whatever. Okay. Bussemer was struck uh, with a hatchet above his right temple, which resulted in a skull fracture. Lowe was hacked over the right ear and found unconscious when the when the cops arrived. The couple were discovered. They were discovered shortly after seven a.m. in the morning uh, of the attacks by John Zenka, uh, and he was a driver of a bakery truck who had come to the grocery store to deliver. Okay. Zenka found both uh, Bessemer and Lowe in a puddle of their own blood. Blo- both of them were bleeding from their heads, of course, because you know, they got hit with an axe. Um, the axe, which belonged to Bessemer, was found in, in the bathroom of his apartment. Bessemer later stated to the police that he had been sleeping uh, when he was bashed in the head with the hatchet. Almost immediately. Police arrested the, potes- the uh, potential suspect, which was a guy by the name of Lewis, and I'm going to fuck this name up. Albercon? O-U-B-I-C-O-N? Albercon? All right. Okay. A 41-year-old African-American man, because he's black and they're arresting him for no reason. Stand up for yourself, brother. Did he have a jerry curl? We probably had jerry curl, and they said, damn, that a nice jerry curl. We got to arrest that motherfucker. Anyway, he had worked for Bolsomer's store just a week before the attacks. Oh, okay. No evidence existed which could have proved the man guilty, but he was still arrested because he was black. Yes. And back then, that wasn't a crime. Yeah, actually, yeah. That's, I joke, but back then, yeah. I mean, yeah. guys got arrested just because they were black. Yeah. No, no other reason. You yeah, know? walking while black. Yeah, walking while black. Black. It's a felony. The police stated that Albercon had offered conflicting accounts of where he was the morning of the attack. 
Maybe he was stoned, man. It happens well, to me. And then, okay, he's a black man in front of the authorities, already knowing he's illegal just because he's black. Yeah, exactly. Um, he could be all so isn't he going to be like having like, oh, no, wait, maybe I was over here instead. You know? That's me in front of the Vancouver PD because I'm the <laughs> suspect and I'm white. <laughs> hey, Scott, somebody robbed I mean, the bank over here. Where were you? I think I was I was over in Pro- – no, no, I was in Eugene. No, I'm, maybe – Maybe I was in Idaho. I don't. I don't know. No, no. I was definitely over at this recording studio. That okay, you're going to prison. Yeah. Because you're, you know, you're the fucking suspect. Yeah, I'm telling you. So shortly after the attempted murder, uh, Lowe stated that she remembered having been attacked by a mulatto by a mulatto man, but her statement wasn't reliable to the police because of her delusional state. Okay. But you're gonna love this story. I, I I actually like this whole this part of the whole story, because uh, the this whole victim profile because it just gets really convoluted and fucked up. <laughs> that's my that's my line. Convoluted. <laughs> Robbery was said to be the only possible explanation for the attacks, but yet again, no money or valuables were removed from the couple's home. Um, Obercon. Was later released as the police were unable to gather any evidence to hold him for his crimes except for him being black. Right. Media attention soon turned to Bolsomer himself as a series of letters written in German, Russian, and Yiddish were discovered in a trunk in the man's home. There's a German, reason. German, Russian, and Yiddish. Because he's spy. I was going to say that's German and Russian, but then Jewish? The, hey, the Jews are in on it, too. Don't get me started on the damn Jews. Oh, my God. They, they control the banks, and they are teaming up with the blacks to hold me down. <laughs> you know, yeah. So police suspected that Bolsomer was a German spy. That's right. He was a German spy, and they found him out. He should have just taken the, the arsenic tablet. Cyanide. The cyanide tablet. Yep. Like a good German spy would, but not him. <laughs> he must be a Jew sympathizer. So was he really a German spy? Nobody knows. Oh. Anyway, government officials began a full investigation um, of his uh, potential espionage. Dun, dun, dun. That's like some fucking James Bond shit, right? I know, right? Weeks later, after going in and out of consciousness, Harriet Lowe told the police that she thought that Balsamer was, in fact, a German spy, which led to his immediate arrest. Wow. Two days later, Balsamer was released, and two investigators in the case were demoted due to their unacceptable police work. They're like, you motherfuckers are losers. Yeah. Shut the fuck up with what you're saying. And they're like, sorry. Oh, no, sorry about it. We're going to kick you in the fucking nuts. Yeah. Balsamer was once again arrested in August of 1918 after Harriet Lowe, who lay dying in Charity Hospital after, be- after a failed surgery, stated that he was who attacked her uh, more, than, more than a month previous with a hatchet. So he's the axe man is what she's saying. Wow. He was charged with murder and served nine months in prison before being acquitted on May 1st of 1919 after a 10-minute jury deliberation. See, 10 minutes to acquit him. It should have been 30 seconds. They couldn't even beat the four and a half. I'm telling you. 
you? What is wrong with this? God damn. Will somebody out there please somebody beat the Somebody got our hopes up in the very beginning of our series. <laughs> Want somebody to beat that four and a half, man. God damn. So let's talk about Harriet Lowe. Okay. okay. This is this is the chick who just now said that Balsamer, he's the axe man. He's the one who tried to kill me with an axe. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, sinuses are still screwed up. I know. Harriet Lowe was attacked while in bed with Louis Balsamar. As I said, she is his mistress, or was. But then she said he attacked her. We'll get there. Okay. Cool your jets there, Turbo. Okay. BLM. Remember, BLM. Bald Lives Matter. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> Turbo, I don't have a dancing broomstick. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Lowe was hacked above uh, the left ear and found unconscious at the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was rushed to Charity Hospital. Lowe became the center of a media circus as she continually made outrageous and often false statements relating to both the attack and the character of Louis Balsamer. Okay. Which, some of which are described that I described previously. <clears throat> the Times Picayune. It's a, it's a newspaper. I'm not even going to try to say the last name. Fuck that. Uh, sensationalized Lowe and her uh, outspoken nature upon discovering that she was not the wife of Balsamer, but, the, but his mistress. Nasty man. His mistress says, why can't anybody be like loyal to their wife anymore? Here he is. He should have been killed by the axe man Ow! having a mistress. What the fuck are you doing over there? I don't know. I scratched my nose and I apparently I have a zit or something because it hurts. Jesus Christ, you scared me. <laughs> scared like, me. I can't even knit over here now. My hands are all shaking and shit. Jesus Christ. No, I went to go scratch up alongside my nose. It was like, ow. You? Silence. We're scared? You need to call my counselor? <laughs> scared me. I think I may have peed a little. <laughs> I'm sorry. A charity hospital source discovered the scandal when Balsamer asked uh, to be directed to the room of Miss Harriet Lowe and was told no woman by that name was a patient. Balsamer's legal wife arrived from Cincinnati in the days immediately after hearing about the attacks. That further inflamed the ongoing drama. Yeah. And after reading that part of the story, I was yelling at my computer. You know what I was saying? <laughs> Jerry, 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 Jerry. And if you've never seen the uh, the, the Jerry Springer show, oh my you God. owe it to yourself to watch, to watch one it. episode. It is amazing. Yeah, find something about the trash part something. and Everything's about the trailer park. <laughs> trash park, trailer park. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> So Lowe further gained media attention uh, when she repeatedly made statements which voiced her hatred of Nolan's uh, chief of police. Wow. As well as her reluctance to be questioned by the police. Wow. After the truth of her marital status was revealed publicly, Lowe told reporters from the Times that she wouldn't help the police in their investigation. Basically, she said, fuck off. Yeah. She suspected that it had been Chief Mooney, which I love that name. That is a, you see yeah. that a lot in movies and things like that. Always the villain that's a cop. Yeah. Has a name like Mooney. Yeah. Anyway, she suspected that it had been Chief Mooney who informed the press of the scandal. Despite the scandal 
and her delirious statements about Balmer, I mean Bossamer, being a German spy, Lowe returned back home to live with Bossamer weeks after the attack. What happened to Bossamer's wife? I don't know. Maybe she went back to Cincinnati. She probably came in there and said, oh, you're fucking this psycho. You know what? Fuck you. Piss off. I'm out. Yeah. No, no. I'm not even hurt or anything. You, yeah. No, you, you, you reap what you sow. You have fun with that. One side of her face was partially paralyzed because of the severity of the attack. Lowe died August 5th of 1918, two days after the doctors performed surgery in an effort to fix her par- partially paralyzed face. Who was this again? And I bet you it's going to be uh, 1919. But it said 1819. This is low. Oh, okay. I bet you it's got to be 19, uh, 1919. Yeah. But uh, anyway, they tried to uh, repair her partially paralyzed face. Just prior to her death, Lowe told authorities that she suspected it was Louis Balsamer who had attacked her. Okay. Yeah. Weird. I love that part. That that right there is some soap opera shit going on. That's more than soap opera shit. So let's go on to Anna Schneider. Okay. So she was eight months pregnant when she wow. was attacked on August 5th of 1918. Okay. She woke up to find a dark figure standing above her uh, and she was bashed in the face repeatedly. Her scalp had been split open, and her face was completely covered with blood. Well, and you would think so. Your scalp just—have you ever cut your head open? Yeah, just a little nick. Yeah, and you, know, you lose like a shaving nick bleeds. Oh yeah, like I have a mole on my face. If I when, when I nick that, it looks like there should be a dead body somewhere. Is that the one on the side of your nose? I don't have one on my nose. It's on my chin. Oh, <laughs> jackass. Not the witchy one on the nose? <laughs> I so hate you. Miss <laughs> Schneider was found uh, after midnight by her husband, Ed, who was coming home late from work. Probably in the back room, having sex with someone like Miss Lowe. Yeah. Schneider said that, that she was remembered. Schneider said that she remembered nothing about the attacks. She gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days after the attack. Her husband told the police that nothing was stolen from the home besides 6 or $7 that, they, that had been uh, in, in his wallet. Well, back then, 6 or $7 was a lot. That's right, man. You could buy a fifth of gin and some cigarettes and five hookers. Maybe even six. Back what, in 1918? Yeah, probably. I was going to say, how, you, know, you're, you are that old. <laughs> See this finger that I'm raising up above the shields? <laughs> kind of, yeah, a little bit. That's a big fuck you. Okay. <laughs> the windows and doors of the apartment had not been forced open, and the police came to the conclusion that the woman was most likely attacked with a lamp that had been on a nearby table. That's not an axe. Yeah, well, they're still giving... Just, just listen to the fucking story. Okay. Jesus Christ. James Gleason, who was an ex-convict, was arrested shortly after Schneider was found. Gleason was later released due to lack of evidence and stated that he originally ran from the authorities because he had so often been arrested, which is understandable, man. You get arrested all the time. Pretty soon you're like, ah, oh, there's a cop. I'm ghost. I'm out. <laughs> Lead investigators began to publicly speculate that the attack was related to the previous incidents involving Bossimer and, and Maggio. Okay. 
So now we're going to talk about Joseph Romano. And that sounds like that is a fucking... Cheese. No, that sounds like it is a mafia name. Yeah. Go call Joey Romano. He don't take care of business. You tell him that the Godfather said, you go talk to Louie. You talk to Louie real good. Joseph Romano was an elderly man living with his two nieces. On August 10th of 1918, Pauline and Mary awoke to the sound of a loud noise in the adjoining room where their uncle lived. When they entered the room, the sisters saw that their uncle had been taken, uh, that, that he had taken a serious blow to his head, which resulted <coughs> in two open cuts. So the attacker... Our axe man, he was fleeing the scene when they came into the room. Oh, okay. He, he's like, I'm already out of here. <laughs> the girl said that he was a dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and slouched and a slouched hat. Which, if you're running, I don't think a hat stays on very well. <laughs> I was going to say, how could you tell if it was slouched? Well, maybe he had a pick in his afro <laughs> and it was holding it down. So stupid. I'm just, I'm just speculating. Jesus Christ, I can't even speculate anymore. <laughs> nope, you cannot. Jeez, and I, I think it's because you're racist with your one black friend. I'm just saying that has nothing to do with you and your pick and the slouching hat. How do, how, how do women used to hold hats on their head with hat pins? And uh, and also, we know that my Jew friends. Hold Your on. one Jew friend. <laughs> My one Jew friend holds his yarmulke on his head. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right, because they got clips. That's See? Right. Oh, prove my point, huh? You can say I'm sorry, Scott, now. You can <laughs> that apologize. has nothing to do with a pick. It could have been a pick. It could have been a clip. I don't know. I'm just saying a pick. Because okay. mostly picks are used by black fellers. <laughs> black feller? <laughs> feller. Yeah. How many white fellers do you see using a pick? I don't see any fellers. You see black fellers doing it. I don't see any fellers, period, oh anymore. Oh, my God. Ever. You're fucking retarded. <laughs> okay, go. So hate you. No, you don't. Romano, although injured, was able to walk to the ambulance when it arrived. That's a strong old man, I'm telling you. Now you know that he's a mob boss. Yeah. Unfortunately, he died two days later due to severe head trauma. So Okay, so he has head trauma, walks to the ambulance, dies two days later. Two days later, he finally caught wow, up. Wow, that is a mob boss. I'm telling you, man, he was sitting there going, call the boys, get all the boys in here. I want you to find this cocksucker <laughs> who hit pick. me <laughs> in the head, who was holding his hat all slouched and shit. With a pick in his hair. And a leisure suit. And he's wearing, he's wearing a leisure suit. I want you to get him. I want you to kill his family. I want you to kill his dog. I want you to kill his mother. Avenge my death, Louie. Avenge my death. Okay. And then he died. <laughs> he's like, I'm out of here. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> yep, that was it. So the home had been ransacked, but nothing was stolen from the Romano house. The police found a bloody axe in the backyard and found that a panel on the back door had been chiseled away. The Romano murder created a state of chaos in the city because he was a mob boss. 
with the residents living uh, in constant fear of being attacked by the axe man with this slouching hat being held on with a black person's pick. <laughs> While he's singing Funky Town. Oh, won't you take me to Funky, Funky Town? Town? <laughs> Police received a ton of reports. People were claiming that they'd seen the axe man lurking in Nolan's neighborhoods. Of course they did. A few men even called to report that they had found axes in their backyards. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I read that and I'm like, God damn, that's like some Stephen King shit. <laughs> that's like, no, that's like fucking 1900s, early 1900s shit. <laughs> John Denatano, a, a then-retired Italian detective, who was probably a mob boss, too, or an informant, made public <laughs> statements of which he hypothesized that the man who had committed the Axeman murders was the same who had, man who had killed several individuals in 1911. The retired detective cited similarities in the manner of the two sets of homicides that had been committed as his reason to assume that they had been conducted by the same person. Danitano described the potential killer as an individual of dual personalities. Uh, okay. Hey, this is just what he said. I'm not saying it. I'm not Donatello or Donatello or any kind of... Michelangelo. Mu- I'm not a mutant ninja turtle. I was going to say, there you go. Don, Donatello stated, I almost called him Donatello, Jesus Christ. The type of individual uh, Donatello said it could, be very, could very likely have been normal, law-abiding citizen who was often overcome by the overwhelming desire to kill. He later, later went on to describe uh, the killer as a real-life Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So apparently he drinks a special formula, probably tequila, and then he gets all fucked up. Dude, I love up. tequila. Let's go on to Charles. Uh, I, I, I practiced this one, too. Son of a bitch. Uh-huh. Sure you did. Charles Cordominglia. Okay. Yeah, try saying that one twice. He was an Italian immigrant who lived with his wife, Rosie, and an infant daughter, Mary on the corner of Jefferson Avenue and 2nd Street in uh, Gretna, Louisiana. And that's a Nolan suburb across the Mississippi River. I was going to say. On the evening of March 10th, 1919, screams were heard coming from the Colomingas' house. Grocer Lorlando Giordano Jesus Christ, get some real names. <laughs> Rushed across the street to see what was going on. When he got there, Giordano saw uh, that Charles Cominglia, his wife and his daughter, had been attacked. His infant daughter? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I, that, this is the one I thought was fucked up. So Rosie, his wife, stood there in the doorway uh, with a head wound holding their dead daughter. daughter. <gasps> Charles laid on the floor bleeding. The couple was rushed to a charity hospital where it was discovered that they both suffered skull fractures. Nothing was stolen from the house, but a panel on the back door had been chiseled away and a bloody axe was found on the back porch of the home. 
Charles was released two days later while his wife remained in the hospital. Upon, upon gaining full consciousness, Rosie made claims that Orlando Giordano and his 18-year-old son, Frank, were responsible for the attacks. Orlando, a 69-year-old man, was in too poor of health to commit any crimes. And Frank Giordano, which is his son, uh, more than six feet tall and weighing over 200 pounds, what would have been too large to fit through the panel that they had found on the back door. No, that had been isn't he the away. guy who found them? Yeah. Okay. But keep it in mind, she suffered a brain, a traumatic brain injury. Right. That's gonna say. So she, he was actually the one that came up on them at the house. That she, you know, standing there bleeding from the head. It wouldn't be a shock that she would identify him later. Right. Right. Because your brain, your brain wants to connect things together, like right. connect the dots. And I really wish I could look at you now. We gotta get smaller fucking screens. I know, right? So your brain really does want to connect the dots. Right. So it's gonna take something that's that's very familiar because mm-hmm. it needs to fill in the blanks. Right. So that's kind of why it probably happened. Need a sip of my coffee. Oh. I didn't even see if you had coffee when I came in. It's cold. It's from this morning. Oh. But my throat's dry. The intern's awake. You're so cute when you're awake. (laughs) When he's awake or when he's half out of it. (laughs) Okay. Charles Camellia, Vietnamese, Vient. He says that he denies his wife's claims. Vehemently? Yeah, vehemently. That's it. Yet the police nonetheless arrested the two and charged them with the murder. The man would later be found guilty. Frank was sentenced to hang and his father to life in prison. Wow. So Charles Camellia divorced his wife after the trial. He's like, fuck you, bitch. I don't blame him. Almost a year later, Rosie announced that she had falsely accused the two men out of jealousy and spite. Her statement was the only evidence against the Giordanos, and they were released from jail shortly after. Wow. Uh, Charles did the right thing. Like, seriously. Fucking, I'm sorry that she got attacked and their daughter died, but Rosie's a cunt. Yeah. But if then, yeah. Okay. So Rosie Comiglia, uh was a wife of, an, of Charles Comiglia, and he was an immigrant laborer. Okay. And she was, a, uh, and I, I, I kind of just, I, I took the information and listed out victim by victim. Mm-hmm. So the next two were the daughter and the, the wife. Anyway, she was sleeping uh, with her baby in her arms, mm-hmm. and she was badly wounded by the axeman. Like I said, she survived. Daughter died. Right. All right. Let's go on to because we already know that poor Mary uh, Cordominglia died. Yeah. And she was uh, only two years old. Wow. Steve Baca, a grocer, was attacked in his bedroom as he slept by uh, as he slept by an axe wielding intruder on August tenth of nineteen nineteen. Baca awoke during the night to find a dark figure standing over his bed. Upon regaining consciousness, Baca ran into the street to to investigate the intrusion and found that his head had been cracked open. The grocer ran to his home, to the home of his neighbor, Frank Genusia? G-E-N-U-S-A? Okay, where he lost consciousness, consciousness and collapsed. 
Wow. Nothing had been taken from his home yet again. And the panel on the back door of his home had been chiseled away. Seeing the, the similarities now? Yeah. Bacher recovered from his, industry, from his injuries but could not remember any details of the trauma. This attack took place after the, uh, after the emergence of the infamous Axeman Letter. Which we'll get to the letter a little bit. I was going to say, when are we going to get to that? We will. Okay. The next one would be Sarah Lawman, L-A-U-M-A-N-N. And she was attacked on the night of September 3rd of 1919. Neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone. <clears throat> and they broke into, uh, and broke into the home of Lawman when Lawman didn't answer. Okay. They found the 19-year-old laying unconscious on her bed, suffering from a severe head injury and missing several teeth. That's what you get when you don't get dinner on right. The attack, no, no comment to that, huh? None. God damn. I'm the, beyond that now. The attacker did entered her apartment through an open window and attacked the woman with a blunt object. A bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Lawman recovered from her injuries, yet couldn't recall any of the details on the attack. Okay, question for you. Uh-huh. Although you probably address this later, I should wait. I'll wait. Okay. Mike Pepitone was attacked on the night of October 27, 1919. His wife was awakened by a noise and got to the door of his bedroom just as a large axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene. Okay, question. Why did they not sleep in the same bed? Hold on. Okay. Because I fucking wrote that same question. <laughs> Bitch. Okay, go. Mike had been struck in the head, and he was covered in his own blood. And this is where I wrote that, because you couldn't wait three fucking seconds. Jesus fucking Christ. I read that and thought to myself, no shit. I mean, he was struck in the head with a freaking axe. Of course he's going to be covered in blood. Have you ever had a head wound? Those bleed a hell of a lot yeah, without being hit with an yeah. axe. Blood splatter covered the majority of the room, including painting uh, a painting of the Virgin Mary. Jackson Pollock? That <laughs> <laughs> is now. Went from Virgin Mary to a Jackson Pollock painting. Yeah. Mrs. Pepitone, the mother of six was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer. Do you want to know why she couldn't describe the axe man? Six damn kids. That's why. <laughs> you have six of your crotch goblins running around. You might be a little distracted. Your semen demons. <laughs> little semen demons. Yeah. I guess I didn't write why were they sleeping in different rooms. I thought that I had. At least I had thought about it. Anyway, the Puppetone murder was the was the last of the alleged attacks. The story left me with some questions. Oh, I did write that. Okay. The story left me with some questions. First off, why is his wife apparently sleeping in another room? Does she snore? I bet she snores. (laughs) I bet it's just the six fucking kids. Six fucking kids, man. Christ. Fucking semen demons. (laughs) There's speculations on, on... 
Now, there are speculations of who the axe man was, but no one was ever proven to be responsible for the attacks. Hmm. Oh, God damn it. I don't know what I did with that letter. Shit. Okay. We're going to go closing thoughts, and then I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase the letter, I guess. But closing thoughts. The story is like, is like if Friday the 13th, the horror uh, movie... Had a love child with Jerry, the Jerry Springer show. Yeah. And that child was featured on the Lifetime channel as a musical. You're so bad. We have an axe-wielding madman coupled with, dra- with the drama of a man and his mistress with some jazz thrown in just for fun. <coughs> so I'm going to paraphrase. I, got th- I think I have the letter right here. Oh, read it while I'm, while I'm di- dying. Yeah. Well, I got to pull it up. Hang on. Um. Okay, on 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 March 13, 1919, the letter wrote, Hottest hell, esteemed mortal of New Orleans, the Axeman. Um, they have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orlean, Orleanians, oh my God, and your foolish police call the Axe Man. This almost makes me seem like I'm reading somebody else's writing. Um, <laughs> when I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of the of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc., but tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they never that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axemen. I don't think there is any need of such warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orlean, Orleanians, excuse me. Orleanians? Orlinia, Orleanians think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, I like how you had to stress that, on Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared and whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not who do not jazz it out 
on that specific Tuesday night. Jazz it out, Big if Daddy. there be any, we'll get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus. Okay. And it is about time I leave you earthly, your earthly home. I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, ever in fact, in fact, or realm of fancy, the axe man. Oh my God. That is like so, you know, when because I've heard this many years ago, right? That letter. Right. But when you think about it again in different terms, it's weird. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I kind of like it. He was a, he would have been a great uh, horror writer. Yeah. Esteemed mortal of New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. And I like how he addresses it. Hottest hell, March 13th. I wonder if that was a Friday. It could have been. I know. Friday the 13th. I know, right? Like I said, man, this story here is like if uh, the movie Friday the 13th had a love child with Jerry Springer show. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Oh, it was a Thursday. <laughs> Sorry. Close. <laughs> I know. But yeah, isn't that weird? What are you doing over there? Nanya. Okay. You're like totally going all over. I'll helter skelter. Helter skelter. That was a Beatles song. And it was covered again by Motley Crue. And then it was uh, propagated by Charles Manson. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. All right. So there's really no questions on this. I mean. Well, well, no, because I had brought up and you said I could bring it up this time, too. Oh, I probably did. But go ahead. Okay. But let us let us. Focus this attention because there was a theory out there that the Axeman was actually a mob hitman. But why would. Okay, but why pick on mostly grocers? You know what I mean? Um, because, Scott, why not? Especially if they pay, weren't paying their mob dues. Yeah, but dead people don't pay money. This is true, but if you noticed, did you not notice that most of the grocers actually lived? Okay, I'll give it that. But how, how can you how can can you guarantee that they're going to live when you whack them in the head with a motherfucking axe? Oh, this is true. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> ask me, ask me, Scott. <laughs> I'm just chopping off things here. <laughs> just no, but my off. question is: Is did you ever wonder that at what point did those accusations be like, oh, the axe man attacked so-and-so when it wasn't him. They just said, hey, I found a bloody axe here. No, it very well could be. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that at least every once in a while it was one of those, you know, we can close this case. It's, we found a bloody axe. It's the axe man. Yeah, or they said there was a bloody axe. But I don't think that, that, the, that a mob hit man, I don't imagine writing something so... so uh, I don't either. Prolific. The letter. Yeah, and that letter. And I don't even that think that dark, was man. the axe man. I mean, maybe not. I think that was just somebody trying to see if he could freaking um, con the whole city into doing something. Awesome sauce. Which I can see you doing. <laughs> I would you know never what? do No, that. seriously. I can see you being like, you know what? I am going to totally 
capitalize on this and see if I can get the whole city to bend to my will. <laughs> and they did. From my understanding, because I, I mean, I've been down to New Orleans and you hear the story, is the whole city did bend to that will. And if everybody listens in your town to Brutal Nation and we get high ratings, or they get high ratings, then you'll be spared. That's right. But let, I want everybody in Scott's group of friends to start listening to gangster rap. Little Tupac. Um, my friends have better class than that. That little California knows how to party. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to shoot you with a fucking tranquilizer dart. You get a picture of me rolling. Notice anyway. the silence, right? Yeah. You miss, I miss you over there, Scott. It's like I might as well just be presenting from my own house. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap this one up. Okay. Send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Click on that Amazon link for some Black Friday sales. Helps out the show. Doesn't cost you anything extra. It's just a nice thing to do. Check us out on Medium. Uh, Crime Beat that's on Medium and a lot of other publications that pick up our blog. You, know, you get all the information. You don't have to put up with my bullshit. Uh, the show's copyrighted. Oh, check out our Patreon. Forgot about that. Um, that's all I can think of. Anyway, this show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. Be okay. All rights are reserved. We will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. You gonna say bye? Bye, Jesus everybody. Christ, sorry. Twice, <laughs> twice this fucking week. You want to be mean to our listeners. I, I'm so sorry. I got sidetracked on something else. I apologize. You know, I'm over Bye, here. Bye, everybody. I'm over here thinking about your mom naked, and I still don't get sidetracked. That's because, ew, Scott. Because your mom's hot. No, don't help, ever do that again. Help me out here. See, and it could be the axe man because of, you know, saxophone. There you go. Anyways, but that's my... Of saxophone? No, the axe man of New Orleans. It's saxophone. Saxophone. <laughs> I like saxophone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>